You'll take your Bibles and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1. We're doing our summer series on the book of Proverbs. And so last week we had our introduction of the first seven verses and it gives us the understanding that it is the doorway to wisdom and then the pathway. It's an ongoing, continuing thing where we continue to learn wisdom And so today we begin to see how it is uh, kind of played out in specific situations as as he begins to tell his son uh, these stories of what to expect in the world. And so again, if you watch movies, um, isn't it overwhelming, especially like with gangster movies or where there are villains, how these people don't see the traps that are set before them, or you begin to ask the question of, if this person is going to shoot someone, why would I think that he's going to be a trustworthy person to hang with? I mean, have they not seen uh, the, the stories? Have they not seen the movies? I mean, if you watch anything, uh, the Batman movies or whatever, um, why would you trust someone like the Joker? Why would you do that? It doesn't seem very wise to do that. Jafar and Aladdin, um, little movies, little kid movies, as well as big stories, as well as stories in the, in the scripture. Haman, who gets um, hung on his own gallows that he built for Mordecai. Why do we not see this in the way be wise in the world? Well, the passage of scripture we're going to read today speaks to this. And so I want you to hear, first of all, the presentation of wisdom from the parents to their child, then hear the warnings of wisdom, and then hear the assurances of what happened. Proverbs 1, starting in verse 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a grateful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down to the pit. For we shall find all precious goods, and we shall fill our houses with plunder. So throw in your lot among us, and we will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the ways with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird, but these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain, for it takes away the life of its possessors. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, this is your word. And Father, you've given to us the Holy Spirit. So as we come now, open our eyes to see. Allow us to become truly men and women who are wise in regards to the things of this world. So that your kingdom may come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So the first thing we're going to see is that there is a presentation of wisdom that is given. 
So there's an offer of wisdom, and it comes from the parents to the son. Now, again, this is a normal thing, and, and again, as I have done some counseling over the years, especially as I have done some premarital counseling, there's been a change in regards to how um, young people have come into the counseling perspective. And so um, one time I heard how they went from helicopter parents and uh, and I was just like, well, what do you mean by helicopter parents? Well, these are the parents that kind of hover over top of their kids and they, they want to make sure that the kids are, are doing well and everything's kind of about the kids. And so these parents are already, or always over and over over them and so that things get done right. And I was like, oh, okay, I, I get that. I, I know some parents who are like that and stuff like that. But then one person just recently came in and said, um, yeah, th- these lawnmower parents. And I was like, lawnmower parents? What the heck? What the heck is that? I, I have never heard that before. Tell me what that is. And he goes, oh, yeah, well, you've heard about helicopter parents before. Yeah, I've heard about them. He goes, well, these are parents who are so involved with their kids' lives that they actually mow the path in front of them so that their kids never go to the right or to the left outside of that um, the, the ground that they have now mowed for them so that they will have exactly the life that they um, should have. I was like, huh. How does that match up to what scripture says? I get it. We don't want our kids to suffer, right? We don't want our kids to be bullied. We don't want our kids to make unwise decisions. But are we making the decisions before them? See, it's not what scripture says. The scripture says in regards to wisdom, the parents' instructions that he's given, this offer of wisdom, is one where he doesn't shield his son from the truth of the world. He tells them, there are people who are going to come to you that will seek to get you incorporated, to take unjust gains, to shed blood of the innocent. I'm telling you, I'm not protecting you, I'm telling you the truth of what the world has to offer. And so this parent comes and he does this, but he does it how? By the word of God. Again, we can have many truths, we can have lots of people who have knowledge but are not wise. We have to have wisdom, and the wisdom comes from God, both in our families, which means we need to be teaching our children and our grandchildren. We need to be telling people around us what it is that to be found in the Scripture. Not our words, not our opinions. What, what does God say about these situations? How does God tell us? Because it's not man's wisdom we need, we need God's wisdom. And when we take God's wisdom, what happens is he says, there's a prize that comes. He tells it very clearly. He says, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. It's talking about how we need to, first of all, hear the wisdom, which means we don't just listen because we can all listen, but you have to apply it. You have to put it into practice. That's a wise person. And when you do that, then what it says is you get the victor's crown. That's what we receive. We receive the crown of victory. That's the garland upon the head. It's the victor's crown, the one who has run the race and has won. And also it means the pendants around the neck and those were marks of prestige. It's like the, 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 the um, gold medals that they put around the winner's neck. It's done in such a way to say, hey, you have listened to wisdom and you have found good life. Now live it, and live it to the fool. But the foolish man, he says, 
is going to come. And so this father gives him a warning. And so what he does is he tells them a story. And he says this, he says, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Now, the first question you should ask is, why does he use the word sinners? Aren't we all sinners? So are you that person that is coming to that son? Huh, we'll get back to that. So we have to answer the question of who are they? Well, these are people who are um, habitual, chronic, unrepentant. They, it says in the scripture, they run to evil. They do everything for themselves. Sometimes in subtle ways, but sometimes in very specific ways. And so he says, these are the people you have to be on the watch out for. When the people you see running to evil, be mindful of them. Because he says, it's not if they come. He says, when they come. And everyone has been tempted in this room. I don't care if you've been protected and you've been homeschooled all your life. At some point, someone has come up to you and offered you evil. And so the question is, how do we want to respond to that? So what this father-son says, hey, it's not if they come, but it's when they come. And so I want you to be ready, son. I want you to know how they do it. And here's how you respond. And so the first thing we see in regards to these sinners is they come with recruitment. Have you ever noticed that? Now listen, there is strength in numbers and we hear this. And there are sometimes good things. We hear many hands make light work, right? The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes 4, for if they fall, if a person falls, if you have at least two, the one wise will lift up his fellow, but it's sad if you're only with one. Who is there to pick you up? So we understand that there are sometimes there's good opportunities to have strength in numbers, to have good people come alongside. But there's also bad things that happen in groups and in crowds. All you have to do is Google this. To see, and there's a lot of things out there, it says when good people do bad things. We hear it here recently, remember? Do you remember the teens in Coco who watched, videotaped, and taunted the man as they watched him drown in the pond? We're changing our state laws because we had teenagers who sat there and taunted this man as he walked out into the water and yelled things at him and said, you think we're going to come save you? You shouldn't have walked in the water. They filmed him. They filmed his death and made the statement, well, I guess he's not coming up anymore. See, what happens is we have things, opportunities, and we've seen our kids do this. Hey, you do it. I'm not going to do it. You do it. I'm not going to do it. Hey, I know what we should do. We should do it together. All right, on the count of three, let's both go do this. See, what happens is we find ourselves losing the responsibility because we become anonymous in groups. It wasn't my fault. I just got caught up in the frenzy of the crowd. See, what happens is when we become a part of the crowd, then listen, evil becomes commonplace and it becomes acceptable. It's like those around how, how did the atrocities of the Second World War happen to the Jewish people? People 
stopped being who they are as individuals and ran with the crowd so as to not stand out. They don't stand for truth. They don't stand for wisdom. And so this father's saying, son, they're going to come and they're going to try to recruit you. And what they're going to do is they're going to give you a promise of an easy reward. And isn't that what we want? We want easy gains, don't we? I would love to have a pill that makes me skinny. Love it. I would love to have that fun that makes me rich overnight. I would love to have that course that allows me to win and influence friends forevermore. We all want easy. None of us are choosing to go after the hard. And so the father's telling his son, hey, look, you're going to be dealing with people who are going to come out and they're going to say, hey, let's go out there. And you know what, how we're going to get rich? Let's just steal from someone else. Well, isn't that wrong? Well, we want it more. So they can be self-centered, narcissistic, backstabbing. But we don't see that, right? Hey, wait a minute. You're willing to kill somebody? Will you be my friend? Because you'll never turn on me, right? (laughs) So what you do is you start seeing these people. And when you start seeing the people, you should ask the question, one, are they opposing God? Maybe, just maybe, they're not up to the right thing if they're saying, oh, don't listen to the Bible. Don't listen to your parents. Not only that, then they start asking you to adopt their ways. Hey, just come out with us. Just have a couple of drinks. Hey, it's okay. Some of the things that are out there, if you go in and look on YouTube and different things, I mean, one of the ones that I saw was in Steubenville, Ohio, where they talk, they, they walk this girl from party to party by her hands and her feet, and they had been raping her multiple times, and they're taunting her. They had, listen, 44,000 pieces of um, things that they caught off of just people sitting there with their phones taking pictures, and no one... No one helped. Maybe that's the wrong way to go. Because what happens is they get us to a place where we do unthinkable actions. And they do that with a perspective of how? Who will never get caught? There's no consequences for my decision, right? Isn't that convenient that we have mercies, I mean movies that um, never show the consequences of all the superheroes who go through buildings and crash through things? You're never brought to the funerals of the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people who would have died in that scene, right? You never get to see the bad things of people who go around and sleep together. You never see the relationships that are broken up because someone has gone outside of their marriage relationship and slept with another people. You don't see the bad side because we don't want to think of consequences. That's the way it is with those who are evil and unwise. Hey, hey, so what if you get rape because you're so bombed at that party hey who cares that you hit someone while you were drunk driving home just gotta come out and have fun just come out and be with your friends 
And see, the father comes to his son. He says, these are the people who are coming and they're going to try to recruit you. And not only are they going to try to recruit you, but they're going to entice you. They're going to entice you. What does that mean? They're coming with a temptation. Now, I want you to understand. Listen, Satan does tempt us, but he never, ever causes us to sin. That is our choice. And you might be looking at this passage and say, well, this, this passage doesn't apply to me. I would never, ever think of going out and killing someone. I would never lie and wait for them and to take them. Listen to what James 4 says. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder, you covet and cannot obtain. So you fight and you quarrel, you do not have because you do not ask. You know where I find some of the worst people is in church. My ministry, this is mine. Don't touch it. I want the accolades. I want to be known. I want to be loved. I want to be controlled. You get out of here. See, it's just the opposite of what Jesus says. He says, when we come to church, it should be, how do we love one another? How do we make other people more important than ourselves? How do we allow Jesus to become greater and we to become forgotten? See, that's the difference. Difference between wisdom and the unwise. And so they come and they say, hey, come and be enticed because here's the thing. You're going to find that we all share in this one person. You're going to have easy money. Let me ask you this very specific question. Do you really want other people to be blessed in life more than yourself? Are you happy when people have more than you do? When they go through less hardships, when they have greater things than you? Are you happy when they get a new car? Are you happy that they have a bigger house? Are you happy that their kids are going well, doing well, and finding good jobs? Are you happy that they go to a better college than your kids do? Or do you secretly sit there and say, God, get them. Who are they? They don't deserve it. God, why did you give us sickness and not them? Why did you give us struggles and not them? See, that tells more about ourselves when we have those opportunities. Because it's not just this thing. It's the sense of where our heart is. We're always concerned about everybody else. You don't believe me? Look at your kids. Remember those, those um, birds on uh, Finding Nemo, right? Mine, 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 mine. You know what? You don't have to teach that to a kid. I truly agree with Vody Bachman of they are vipers in diapers. And all you have to do is bring in a toy and give it to another kid. And that kid who was compliant and patient and playing with a toy of their own now sees a kid has another toy. I want it. Mine. Mine. Nope. Now you got to share with people. No, no, mine. You think that goes away as adults? We just get better at covering up. I want. I need. And you know what happens? When we begin to sin, then sin makes way for another sin. And it becomes easier and easier to compromise. It's the story of King David, remember? He wasn't where he was supposed to be. And then he inquires. And then he takes. 
And then he lies. And then he murders. Murders. And again, nobody, I, I'm sure nobody in this room has gotten up and said, you know what, I really want to be a murderer today. But how easy would it be for you to hear a story today about someone who God has blessed and you kind of go, man, I wish that was me and not them. So there's a warning that he gives. And he gives it to his son, and then he tells them that there is an assurance that wisdom brings. And that assurance is this. Snares will find us. Where do I get this? Where he says, son, verse 15, do not walk in the ways with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil. And they make haste to shed blood, for in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. So he's saying that there are snares, which means that there are things that are obvious or should be uh, known to anybody. And he's saying there are some obvious traps. And listen, he tells them, hey, there are simple birds who see the traps that are set for them. And what do they do? They fly away. We all know this. If you go fishing, if you go hunting, if you do anything where you're trying to catch something, if you set something up to where they can see it and understand it, even with simple little minds, they won't do it. But not people. We're not that smart. It says the unwise are going to fall into not just some traps, their own traps. They're not even smarter to set their own trap and not get caught by it. The unwise find themselves dealing with both external and internal dangers. What do I mean by that? It means there are external things that try to attract us. Hey, just come and do this. Who's going to get hurt? What are the consequences of this? I, I am a living example of God's grace. And thankfully, I never hit someone driving drunk. Thankfully. Thankfully, I'm not in jail. Thankfully, I'm not paying for someone's restitution because I took a child's life. I could have. Because I had friends who said, oh, you're not that messed up. Drive home. you got to get to work. So you have the external things, but then there's also the internal things. Don't we all want to fit in? Yeah. We want to fit in as kids. But listen, it doesn't change. We still want to fit in as adults. We want to be liked. We want to be called for the parties and the the events that happen. We want to be on the guest lists. What do we do to compromise? See, he's given us the assurance that, listen, judgment is coming to those who are unwise. And because God gives it, it's, listen, it is absolute. This isn't, maybe you'll get judgment or maybe you won't. Now, he does make a distinction between maybe you'll deal with judgments in this lifetime. And we see things without... uh, throughout Scripture where Achan in Joshua chapter 7, okay, when he sinned, God dealt with him right there. Ananias and Sapphira, Acts chapter 5, when they lied to the Holy Spirit, God dropped them down dead. Boom, right there. And there are some people in this life who find themselves dealing with judgments 
I'm having extramarital sex, so I have a child. I drove drunk. I killed someone. There are people who deal with judgments here on earth. But what about those people we think get away with it? Things we think that they weren't caught or they weren't convicted. God is very clear. They will find themselves in places of judgment for all eternity. We have Ahab and Jezebel who kill for a piece of land. And Judas who sells out the one perfect person in all the world for what? For 30 pieces of silver. So we have this given to us that judgment will be assured for all who are unwise. Now, how does this apply to us today? Well, ask yourself this question. Are you the wise man or the unwise? Are you the one who seeks after God for the, remember verse 7 tells us, for the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord. That gives us wisdom. And we apply it to our lives. And so are we living our lives in such a way that we are seen as wise people? Do we go to the word of God? Do we surround ourselves with people who are wise? Do we seek to build one another up in the word? Do we recognize the world that is around us? And as we recognize it, are we able to put into practice the things that are wise? See, I want you to be encouraged just like the father is to his son. I want you to understand that the world out there wants to destroy you. Satan wants to defeat you and destroy you. But he who is in you is greater than he is in the world. And so we have the opportunity, just as we had this past week, to go forth and to change things. To change Southwest, to change the school community, to change Grumman, to change Harris Corporation, to change Lockheed Martin, to change our surrounding neighborhoods. There is nothing that can stop Jesus Christ and his message from going forth. And how do you know that? Because he told you in his word. So be wise and be encouraged. And I'm being as, I'm trying to hold myself back. I really am because this is the message. And it's the greatest story that Jesus Christ gave everything. For he is the essence of wisdom. And see it now he says, go forth and tell everyone. Tell everyone. So be wise. Understand that the world seeks to destroy you and everything that you have. And they'll do it in a cunning way. I leave you with a, a true life um, thing. Many of you guys who have been here for a while remember my friend Kurt who died um, from his kidney failure. And Kurt uh, remained single for, for all of his life. And he, uh, he made decent money. And so he would find himself going to bars and coming back home here in the Cocoa Beach and being with people and paying for people's uh, tabs and stuff like that. And everybody was, oh, Kurt, oh, you're so great. Oh, we love you, Kurt, man. You're a great friend, blah, 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 blah. Right until the time that Kurt needed a kidney. <laughs> and all those people who went out and drank with him and all the people who took his money and all the people who said that they were such great friends were nowhere to be found. By God's grace, it was just a thing of saying, Kurt, 
If I'm a match, I'll give you a kidney. I didn't do it because I was a great person. I did it because I wanted Kurt to live so that he might hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. My hope and desire is today that he'll be in heaven when I get there. He heard the truth. I think he responded. So be wise. Love the way that Jesus loves. Give wisdom the way that Jesus gives wisdom. And then we'll see the world truly turned upside down. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this book that it speaks of truth in this world and what the world has to offer. And Father, for so many years I bought into it. I wanted to be liked and fit in as okay to compromise my beliefs or standards for others. But Father, you never left me alone and you had Christian men and women speak into my life. You had Christian men and women love me the way that Christ loves. You had people confront me with the truth and the wisdom of the scripture. And Father, you gave me an encounter with the living Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for that that has been offered to us. It's been offered to us today for us to come and to listen to the wise words of the Heavenly Father to us now. Lord, may we see Jesus clearly. And Lord, may we allow the Holy Spirit to lead. For this is our desire and it's our hope. And we pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen.